Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, apparently, uh, if you ask investigators among the police force, you'll, you'll find that it's, it can be very hard for them to find people who are willing to step forward and to testify to what they've seen. And maybe it's not that hard to understand if you've ever been in a classroom setting. Sometimes it happens that someone gets hurt or something gets broken while the teacher is out. And so in order for justice, reconciliation, or growth to run its course, the teacher asks for somebody to come forward. Say, he says, what happened? Can anybody tell me what happened or what you, what you saw? But no one wants to come forward. Why do you think that is? It's usually because we're afraid of the consequences, isn't it? We're afraid that either the person we told the truth about will do something to hurt us, or we're afraid of being called a, a nasty name, maybe like a, a tattletale. If you think about that, that's quite sad. It's quite sad to see how little even children respect the truth to make fun of those who are are willing to, to stand up for the truth. We, we call them names, even in our Christian circles. And we often hesitate to, to speak, and we hesitate to serve as a witness for another person because we're aware that connecting ourselves to the plight of another person, it comes with consequences for ourselves, our own lives. The word bear in the phrase to bear false witness. It, it, it's something that's on our own shoulders. It shows us that our testimony about another person reflects our own very personal understanding of the truth and the value of another person's life. And that connection between our words and, and another person is, is at the heart of the ninth commandment. All our communication, not everyone can speak with their mouths, but everyone is able to communicate in some way or another. So all our communication, whether it's, it's something we say, it's verbal, or it's written down, or it's nonverbal, just our, our, our signs, all of our communication has implications for the bonds that we form with other people. In Psalm 15, which we looked at last week, our method of communication is presented as the test for the true character of our relationship with another person. Communication is closely related to trust, to loyalty, to faithfulness. And that's why it is so important to communicate truthfully both to and about other people. God doesn't want us to ruin the gift of communication. He does not want us to ruin it with, with lies. He does not want us to use our mouths to hurt another person rather than to strengthen them. And that's why he tells us, do not bear false witness against one another. And the gospel of the ninth commandment is that God does not want us to hurt each other in this way. And I preach to you this gospel under this theme that he gives us the gift of communication to strengthen our bond to one another. 
So again, we look at what the Lord wants and what Christ Jesus has done and what the Holy Spirit helps us to do. The Lord wants his children to be faithful witnesses for their neighbors. We see the Lord Jesus did this, and the Holy Spirit then helps us to do that as well. So when we see what the Lord wants, we always begin at the beginning in the creation before the fall into sin, and we see that the Lord created Adam and Eve with mouths and with the ability to, to communicate. And the Bible tells us right at the beginning before the fall into sin that Adam used words to officially receive Eve as a helper fit for him. That's in Genesis 2, verse 23, when he says, Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And if you look carefully, you'll see that, that the Bible doesn't tell us if Eve even heard Adam's words or if she responded in any way. But Adam was speaking and showing obedience to God in heaven by using the gift of communication to strengthen the bond between him and his wife Eve. Adam expressed the joy that was in his heart. He did not keep silent. He used his mouth to praise the Lord. God wants us to use our mouths in this way. He spoke the truth about his relief that he at last had a wife. It's interesting to think about that even before the fall, Adam had to wait for things. Not everything was instantly received. And he says, at last. And it's all in perfection before the fall. It's beautiful. And he says that. It's his heart speaking. And Genesis 2 shows us that God wants us to use our ability to communicate as a tool to build up our bonds to those around us, to encourage mutual cooperation to the Lord's plans. It also shows us that honest communication expresses the absolute truth that the infinite, sovereign, eternal creator has revealed to us as his children. God established the truth, first of all, not only in the things that he created, but also in the explanation that he gave about how everything works. Through his word, the Lord reveals that he wants us to remain in the truth so that we can continue to enjoy good harmony and the perfection of creation. Every word that God speaks is the truth. And so Adam was a faithful witness when he used his mouth because he repeated what God had said about Eve. God said, I will make you a helper fit for you. Eve came, Adam said, you are a helper fit for me. He repeated what God said. God's word was the standard of truth. He believed God's word and he spoke to others according to this revelation. If Adam had said something about Eve that was different than what God had said, like she's not a very good helper, he would have been lying because God is truth and his word is true. If Eve told herself that she was not very fit for Adam or she was not a really good helper, she would be lying because she would be saying something different than God had said. 
God establishes the truth. We repeat that, and as much as we do, we're repeating his word. The serpent is called the father of lies exactly because he twisted God's words. We know that our words are truthful by comparing them to God's word and then also looking at the consequences of what we say. You see, God reveals that we are always communicating in the context of the communion of saints. Whenever we speak, we're doing so in a context. There are people around us. And so everything we say has consequences for the lives of others. It's important to understand that the Hebrew word for truth, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, so just say the original language, the word for truth, is closely related to the word for being faithful. That's why in Hebrew, or Proverbs 14, verse 5, you saw that when you walked in today, that was the display text. The opposite of a false witness is a faithful witness. Being truthful to your neighbor is also being faithful to the other person, loving them, wanting what is best for them. In contrast, the devil's works of lying and deception, gossip and slander, rash condemnation, that list that's all in, in the catechism, those sins reveal disinterest and, and even hatred in your neighbor's well-being unfaithfulness. The devil's works destroy relationships, but speaking the truth is faithfulness. That It always strengthens relationships. God doesn't only want us to repeat what he says and to speak truthfully, but he also wants us to speak this truth in the context of our relationships to those around us. You see, every word that we speak binds our mind and our heart and our soul to our neighbor. God's truth is not that cold, hard truth that's disconnected to everybody around. I don't care what you, you think. I, I say what comes to my mind and I say it wherever it lands, that, that thoughtless type of truth that sometimes we, we like to talk about. It's not a cold hard truth that's disconnected, but it is always a truth that is placed in your relationships to your neighbor as this is defined by the Word of God. It's, it's covered, it's colored by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God wants His children to take responsibility for their neighbor's honor and reputation when they speak. To seek to be edifying and true to God's words in our dialogue with one another. He wants us always to be motivated both by our love for the other person and by our eager desire to have them share in the riches of God's revealed grace and love. Our Lord Jesus shows us what obedience to the ninth commandment looks like when he, the perfect one, lived here on the earth, he was righteous and he was obedient to the ninth commandment. We can look at his life, we can go to the Gospels, we can see how he spoke, how he interacted, and there we will see perfect obedience to the ninth commandment. He always sought to be faithful to his neighbor, 
both when he spoke and also when he decided not to speak. Like the first Adam, our Lord Jesus embraced the gift of being able to communicate, and he used it. He opened his mouth to speak in order to strengthen his bond to his neighbor. He loved his neighbor enough to come down to the world from the glory of heaven to preach the gospel, to announce the truth of the kingdom of God, Mark 1, verse 38. Our Lord Jesus summarized his life in that passage we read in John 18, verse 20. He said, I have spoken openly to the world. I have said nothing in secret. And since he had been sent from the Father as the Word, John 1, verse 1, people who heard Jesus talking were always hearing the truth being spoken. They were, they were seeing the truth being spoken. And so the Lord Jesus not only obeyed the ninth commandment in what he said, but also in how he said it. It was very clear, first of all, if you think about the parables, a very clear instruction. But he always brought the truth of God's word into the relationships. And this is seen very clearly when he didn't just always preach and teach, but he also used his words to warn his neighbor, to tell his neighbor about his own faults. You can think of Matthew 18. He was faithful. He cared about his neighbor enough to, to even point out their fault, faults in order to save that person from condemnation. He took the responsibility that that person had to fight against his sins. He bore that on his own shoulders as well. He came beside and he used his mouth to speak in that way to his neighbor. And then we notice that not only did Jesus speak, but he also sometimes chose not to speak. He didn't feel obliged by the ninth commandment to speak the whole truth in every situation. He spoke the truth and nothing but the truth, but he didn't always say everything there was to be said. He didn't answer every question that was asked of him. And in the middle of his own trial, we read in Mark 14, verse 61, that our Lord Jesus remained silent and he made no answer to the false accusations that were being raised up against him. He did this in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 53. In a world that is full of lies and hatred and people twisting the truth, our Lord Jesus obeyed the ninth commandment perfectly when he chose not to speak. And so when we ask God to forgive us for allowing our fear to prevent us from sharing the truth of the gospel, when we repent of the sin of not trusting in, in, the, in the goodness of God's holy law so that we do not speak against those who are willfully breaking God's law and hurting people around them, when we are sorry and confess the sin of buckling under the pressure of, of playing along with the a judicial system that has no interest in God's word and, and we end up even bearing false witness against our neighbor. While we can turn 
to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can see him as a light, the one who obeyed the ninth commandment, even though we didn't. He obeyed it perfectly for us and in our place. We can be encouraged to know that. And in humble repentance and confession, we can see our righteousness in our Lord Jesus' obedience. He never gossiped or slandered either. But before you think this means that he never spoke about another person when they were not right there in his presence, you can look at the Gospels a second time. You will see that many times Jesus spoke about somebody when they were not there right there with him. You can remember, for example, Luke 7. Luke 7, he, he spoke to the crowds about John the baptism. Sorry, John the Baptist. Even after John's disciples left, he turned to the crowds and he started to speak about a person who wasn't present there with him. He obeyed the ninth commandment when he explained to the people who John was and what John's place was in the plan of God. It's sort of like Adam explaining to Eve who she was and where her place was in God's plan. Jesus also obeyed the ninth commandment when he warned people about the dangers of the Pharisees' teaching, even though the Pharisees were not there personally to defend themselves. He knew what they were teaching. He knew that, that they were teaching the people to reject their Savior, the Messiah. Luke 12, verse 1 says he knew their hypocrisy, and he was faithful to his neighbor by truthfully identifying the danger of another person's teaching. He did this for the well-being of his neighbor, even though the Pharisees weren't there personally at that time. And we can go even further to conclude that Jesus obeyed the ninth commandment even when he called Herod a name. In Luke 13, verse 32, we read that the Lord Jesus used the term fox. He said, tell that fox, talking about Herod, what, and then he says what he was going to do. You can look at it. He used the term fox to describe how Herod was acting after he had been confronted by John about his sin. And he did that to warn his sheep of God's pasture because he loved his sheep. Jesus did not slander his neighbor when he used this metaphor, when he called his neighbor, called Herod, a name. Because it was a true description of Herod's slyness and his underhanded cruelty. So when we repent of the sin of truly gossiping about other people in order to make ourselves look better, or when we belittle others or their achievements just so that we look a little better, or when we complain about how another person makes our lives so difficult just so that they look a little worse and we get some sympathy, rather than celebrating their place in God's plan, we remember Jesus didn't gossip. When we confess that sin, we can see righteousness in him.
when we confess the slander of putting words in the mouths of others or, or rashly perhaps condemning a, a politician based on some sayings that we picked up here and there that are out of context. It's a lot different than Jesus calling Herod a fox when he knew the whole situation. Then we can look at our Lord Jesus' righteousness. When we ask God to forgive us for calling other children names to their harm, to, to expose a weakness in them that isn't to warn anybody, but just to, to make them feel smaller and to raise ourselves up. When we repent of that sin, we can know that Jesus perfectly obeyed for us. We can turn to him and we can know that there is righteousness in Jesus Christ. He obeyed the ninth commandment perfectly for us and in our place. Jesus was a faithful witness when he spoke about his neighbor because he always spoke completely in line with the revealed word of God in a sincere and a genuine way. He knew the hearts of the people to whom he was speaking. He repeated what God said when he taught because a faithful witness trusts the truth to be a blessing for others. He confirmed the truth of his words with miraculous signs. It was God's word clearly declared. The warnings were clear, clearly based on Scripture. The encouragement was undeniable. So when we repent of the sin of sowing doubt about another person's character by only sharing our opinions about what might be taking place in their minds. Or when we are sorry and confess the sin of replacing the, the genuine and the honest repetition of God's promises and just saying things that we wish for another person. When we waver from the clarity of the word of God and add all sorts of smoke and mirrors to, to the word of God that appear wise but are used to blur the gospel, to see doubt, to justify sin, well then we can look to the Lord Jesus who obeyed the ninth commandment perfectly, who spoke, who repeated the words of God and, and who placed it on the hearts of others for their well-being. He perfectly obeyed the ninth commandment so that we know that we can trust our Lord Jesus. We can trust him when he tells us, your sins are forgiven. That's the truth. There's no doubt. He repeats what God has promised to us. We know that we can believe and trust the promises that he makes about our future. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth. We know that when our Lord Jesus stands as our witness before the throne of his Father in heaven, we will, he will tell the truth about us. He will be able to acknowledge us before his Father in heaven. He will be able to say, yeah, they, they, they sinned against me, they were rebellious, but, but they believed in me and my righteousness is now their righteousness 
They repented of their sin. They, they fought against it. Now my truth is their truth. And I've given their, the Holy Spirit so they want to be faithful witnesses. The Holy Spirit first work we could say that helps us to be a faithful witness is, is giving us the Bible, the Word of God. The Word of God committed to writing so that we, now called to be witnesses, we, we have the source of all truth in our hands. We can study it. We can do it. Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 4 verse 11, we can actually speak the oracles of God. We can speak the words that God has given. We are able to, to promise what God promise, promises. We are able to, to believe what God has revealed. And so the Holy Spirit now leads us in obedience to the ninth commandment to dedicate ourselves to studying the truth of God's word and his law so that we can be faithful witnesses for our neighbor, so that we can seek their well-being. A faithful witness is faithful to God in the first place. And as a result, he will also be faithful to his or her neighbor by deciding the truthful thing to say based on the consequences of these words for the lives of others. And so the Holy Spirit guides us, leads us in obedience to the ninth commandment by taking God's word, by taking it into our own heart, by seeking to be faithful to him, and then by looking at our neighbor and taking the stand, taking our stand on the side of all who honor the Lord, all who are seeking to live in the truth. That's the starting. That's how we decide what to say and when to say it when we are called to speak on behalf of another person in court, when we are called to vouch for the location or the character or the actions of another person, maybe a classmate, whether we do so in our Facebook posts, our family discussions, our classroom interaction, or family visits. We do so with the truth of God's word our being our guide in the relationship of love to one another. And so there's two ways of asking what does it look like in our lives. The first question is how do we speak the truth? That is, how do we show faithfulness to the person with whom we are talking? As representatives of our Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit gives us a deep love for the person with whom we are talking. Whether they be our unknown friends on Facebook, the teacher who is trying to discover what happened, or maybe the soldier who comes banging on our door looking for the refugees that we are hiding. We will love that person as a person made in the image of God and we will understand that our words have consequences for their lives. And then think about it. If you help a sinner in his sin with your words or if you encourage the oppression of, a, of an innocent man 
by handing him over to, to someone who hates God and, and hates his law. Your words have some major consequences. And so we see that the Holy Spirit does not lead us to be an accomplice to sinful living. And since the Spirit uses godly spiritual leaders in the church to teach the Word of God, to exhort the rebellious sinner, to warn the unsuspecting about potential dangerous people, it glorifies God and it serves His kingdom to be faithful witnesses against all those who are breaking God's law. You show faithfulness to those who are rightly placed in their position of authority when you speak the truth to them. The Holy Spirit also leads us to show faithfulness to the people about whom we are communicating. Often a teacher says, can you tell us about that person? So the person isn't there with you, but you're speaking about them. Now the Holy Spirit leads you in obedience to the ninth commandment by being faithful to those people. If you're talking about a politician on Facebook or you're answering questions about a fellow student in your classroom or a member of your family, the Holy Spirit helps you to ensure that you know the truth first and that you think about the consequences of your words for the person about whom you are talking. And so you think about it. You're asked to speak about somebody else and, and you think, well, what is my guide? My guide is the Bible. That tells me what the truth is. And then I think, well, what did I see? Was that person honoring God and obeying his word or disobeying his word? And if what his, he said or what he does does not honor God, And if your words will not, then, then the defending him will not lead a sinner to repentance. Our words should not allow a sinner to continue in sin. And then on the other side, the exception is that our words should also not deny justice to an innocent person. And then you look about church history, look at church history. This is where the people talk about the midwives. Remember that in the time of Egypt? And there the Pharaoh was asking, well, you know, why haven't you managed to kill any of the boy babies? And they said, well, and they told a lie. They said, well, these Israelite women there, they're so fast, the babies are born before we even get there. And then if you could think about the time of the, the, the World War II, the classic example of the, the, the Jews and the Germans and, and the People were hiding the Jews to save them from the Germans, and the Germans would come and say, Do you, are you hiding Jews? And how would you answer that? In obedience to the ninth commandment. How would you be faithful to your neighbor in obedience to the ninth commandment? Oh, no, it doesn't get so hard, does it? How do we glorify God with our words in faithfulness to our neighbor? And so when those who were hiding Jews in their home said, there are no Jews in my home, to a German soldier, it really was a statement before the Lord who knows the heart. It was a statement, I love my neighbor. 
God's word condemns the ruthless slaughter of innocent people who are only made guilty by the arbitrary decision of, uh, of wicked human leaders. I will obey God rather than men, and I will not expose my neighbor to this brutality. The opposite of a false witness is not a witness who coldly speaks whatever he sees in separation from the broader context, but it is a faithful witness. The Holy Spirit guides us in his word to think carefully before we speak, to ask ourselves the question, how do my words serve to glorify God's truth in his word? How do my words serve to help my neighbor experience the fullness of God's justice and his mercy? And then, brothers and sisters, rather than shy away from the opportunity to defend God's truth, we begin to seek the opportunity to be faithful witnesses to stand up for the truth of God's name, to bear the consequences, whatever they may be, because we love the truth. We love the truth. We love to speak and confess it honestly. And so if it does happen, and, and I hope it doesn't happen, that something gets broken in the classroom or somebody gets hurt while the teacher is out, while you young people, you children in school, you think about it, what is the God-honoring thing to do when you're called forward to say what you saw. It is to be faithful to God, to be faithful to your classmate, to be faithful to your, the, the, the classroom. And may we all seek to be faithful witnesses in all our interactions for the glory of God, for the furtherance of his kingdom. Amen.